Hello listeners, welcome to the Among You podcast by Kuchu Times Media Group, a project supported by Uganda Key Populations Consortium under the Free to Be Me project. It is aimed at demystifying the myths around LGBTQ plus Ugandans by sharing how similar the Ugandan experience is, regardless of your gender or sexual orientation. We hope that these stories build allies out of you. Enjoy. Human beings are different, but similar, but different. There is a misconception that LGBT persons have a whole completely different life or experience, which is true, but there's are things that we have in common with everybody else. The only difference comes with sexuality. Crucial Times Media Group is launching a project called Among You, a podcast aimed at sharing the experiences of LGBT Ugandans with the aim of showing the general public how similar we are, hoping to build allies and also to uh, demystify the myths that are spread about LGBT Ugandans from the propagandists and the, and the peddlers of homophobia. Hi, my name is Samantha. I'm the editor at Kuchi Times Media Group and welcome to the first episode of the Among You podcast. I have interesting people with me today and I'd love to let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Bana. I do random things here and there, but I'm interested in AI, art, I'm interested in graphics, I'm interested in music, I'm interested in nice things, nice things, things that are nice to look at. Yeah, so I'm your guest today. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm Miss Lamon, I'm a social worker, queer person, a mental health advocate, and a counselor, and I love several things. And I'm Sean, I'm a farming activist, and so many things along that spectrum. Good to be here. Did you say you are a farming activist? Yes. What do farming activists do? You... I farm while I do activism. Oh, I thought you farm for activism. Um, it depends on which side you look at it. It could be both. I could do the farming for activism, but also farm for I thought What's you were an activist for farmers. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that would be a farmer's activist. I'm a farming activist, not a farmer's activist. A farming activist, yes. Okay. Anyway, so today we're going to have a conversation around um, healthcare, specifically our experiences. And I think the first question I have is... Um, have you ever had to disclose your sexuality when you've gone to the hospital? Sean, you want to go first? I think I'll go first. Yes, so I think this has changed over year, over the, like along along the years. When HIV, let's say programming had just started in the country, like that is around 2013, 2014, 2012, around that time, yeah. So there's a time you would go to hospitals and Every time you reach there, you'll be like a tourist, sort of a tourist attraction. So you'd have, you'd first, the first person you interact with would, you know, call this other, live in a room and then call, go call another health practitioner to come and see, you know, the kind of different person you are. But that has, over the years, changed. Of course, it comes with a lot of the advocacy we've done, a lot of engagements with different stakeholders and getting people on board to work with us as a community. So I think that is that is where the change for me has been realized, really, mostly. For me, I've never had to, but 
uh, I do remember an experience going to a clinic somewhere in Unyonyo. And um, I went, I did my service, I got my services well. And then there were two ladies I was sitting on the bench with the whole time, like we're in the line together. I, I, when I entered, I said, hi, hi. And I just put on my headsets and yeah. So I, after getting my service, as I was coming out, they approached me and they said, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to use Luganda. So they said, um, You are so beautiful. <laughs> oh my God. Like, but it was, it, it didn't sound so negative in the negative sense, but it sounded like amusing for them that um, I was so good. And then she said something that even you, you know, you're good looking. That's why you have pins. So um, that, 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 that is when, when Sean was talking about like um, how people perceive you in the, in, in the hospital, in the health facility, I just remember that incident because um, I didn't have to show like my gender or my sexuality or my expression, but they were like, oh my God, you're so good looking and you have nice hair and yeah, that has been my experience. But overall, um, I've never had, as, as a gay man who sort of passes, I've never had to disclose that I'm gay, unless if the issue that has taken me there involves being gay. But even then, I would figure out a way of um, bring it out without disclosing my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I haven't experienced anything praise god um but also as a person or as a show worker works with different individuals i have been able to interact with people who are masculine presenting who have to go through the trial just like sean actually explained or what they went through and also those who actually struggle with diverse ways of expression in their way of dressing um usually you find some of uh, us females want to dress in a masculine presenting way or in a way that is different from the rest like for example my mother would say if you pierced your ears then you are so and so if you have a tattoo you then you're so and so so because of that conservative nature of thinking we've had different people over members or people in our community go to different health centers and every time they are seen as a stereotype cut Actually, that goes back to it goes back to the recent propagandas that is bringing about the homophobia. We keep having different stereotypes that actually just block us from accessing services, especially the health sector. So the people we interact with or that we work with and assist or serve in the community usually go with the struggles. They have to actually put up a certain pictorial expression that is acceptable to society to be able to to be served or else. So there's usually that shortcoming with people actually express themselves differently as per societal norms. So that, those are the experiences that I know that I can tell. Of course, I'm not obliged to give the specific details, but it's been a terrible experience of whereby who are you? Who is your husband? How old are you? Like there are these questions and then a person ends up going back home and guess what happens? 
your own survival mechanisms that are unhealthy that's where the drinking comes in that the anything that can be able to make you feel a little bit less painful in regards to the unacceptancy so that's the experience that i have i think for me um it has happened once okay not once i struggle with that question of so i have um how do i explain it i have a messed up reproductive system and so I find there's a time when I'd, I'd, I'd like really miss my period for so many months. And then I go to the hospital and the doctor is, is very, very, very serious that I'm pregnant. And I kept on telling him there's no way I can be pregnant. And then, and then he asks me, are you sexually active? I said, yes, then you're pregnant. I'm saying, I'm telling you there's no way I can be pregnant. And like we we're in the room for the longest possible time with this whole back and forth thing. Um, he, he forced me to take a pregnancy test that I refused. He said, you know, and he was giving me a whole lecture of how condoms are not as foolproof as people think they are. So I could be pregnant and it doesn't. <laughs> and then I kept on looking at him. And, and, and when we did the test and it was negative, he's like, oh, oh, so you actually know your body. What? Like, I've been trying to tell you this thing the whole time. Like, there's no way, Neil, I am pregnant. But then because I did not feel like it was, a, if, uh, of course, I would have cut myself um, the time of the price of that of the test or even that back and forth in the doctor's room. But just simply telling him, I cannot be pregnant because I'm a lesbian. But then I, I, I didn't, didn't feel like something I could easily say. I didn't feel safe in that space. But I think that's the one time that I've, I've actually had to, my sexuality has hindered um service provision to me or has it has been difficult and that's the one time that i went through that experience and even then interestingly i was prescribed um contraceptives because apparently they are hormones something 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 so yes but i was just thinking about the fact that the people that actually do not have understanding partners so i'm thinking my partner finds me with contraceptives and then i'm explaining that it is to like and then, because there's, there's not even that much information about liver, women's health in general now. Yeah. There's people are not, they don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, live alone or queer women or whatever. Any woman in general, women's health is a very big um, blur. Everybody's just, most people are just gambling as they go. Yeah. And so, in that process for me that day was when I said, ah, yeah, and I'm so glad I've not had to experience that again. <laughs> Yeah, there's something I'd shared with um, the, with you earlier around um, a similar issue of misdiagnosis. Um, I I had this weird thing where I would keep falling sick at school, and like I would fall sick, and every time because the only medication in the canteen was malaria medication, they would just give me a like ah silly, and then like I would take water and finish the doors and it will not go away and then somehow I would be better after some time like then I'll do it over and over and over again until um I went um th there's a time I actually did it and then they said now your body is resistant we are going to give you quinine and then they gave me that injection of a cow <laughs> <laughs> it's a big fat like it like when they inject you your butt gets really swollen and it's like i don't know what is in that thing but it makes you so 
weird. Yeah. They did not. Yeah. They did not trust. They would, they, would, they would give you that thing, and they put a bottle in the fridge, and they massage your butt. Yes, that's what they say. You massage your butt. Most of us have those ditches or swollen things. Yes, but but thank God I did it once, and I'm say I said I'm not going back. So, but but even the quinine sort of didn't work. It made things worse. So, um, uh, there was a time I was, I think it was during, during my mock exams, uh, I was starting to like lose focus, like with school and everything. And I kept falling sick a lot. So they sent me to a counselor and the counselor sort of, it was actually, it was an actual psychiatrist. So it wasn't even a counselor. And they said, they said that whenever you're stressed or whenever you think about like things that you have to do, you sort of take your meals or everything on the back burner like you you stop you stop eating you st- or you eat less and so your nutrients are drained so that's why you like keep falling sick so he told me uh he just gave me supplements and said okay go home uh come back every two months and get some more supplements and from that day i never had quote unquote malaria so clearly the school nurse was unprofessional but I felt like I was so violated. How do I get quinine for nothing? I was so violated. And all that time I'd spent taking all that coatem and that weird milk. Of course, it helped me to miss morning prep, but it's a win. Yeah, I win. I a mean, win but still, <laughs> oof, that injection is painful. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I think I, personally that that is a case that I got for uh, being misdiagnosed on 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 in healthcare. But I'm I'm curious to know what other people have have they ever been misdiagnosed? Uh, maybe because of their appearance or because of like the way they look. I think I'll share. I have an experience that just came to memory now. It's an experience of a trans woman who. Just listening to Samantha's story, how she went to a miss to, to the doctor, and the doctor is like, you're pregnant. So this person goes to a health facility, and they have, I don't know what they had, but they reach the health facility, and the doctor is sure and certain that this person is pregnant. This person is a trans woman. So that process of, you know what certainly is going on in your body, but you cannot open up to the health practitioner. And then you spend a long time with this practitioner in the room trying to see what line you're going to both reach to agree that you know that you get this service or you don't and then also maybe another recent very recent experience was a trans woman who just fell sick you know she fell sick and then she collapsed and she, find, she finds herself at a, at a health facility and the first reaction to this person was oh she's a woman she's a, and then the process of putting this person on drip they realize oh She's actually not quote unquote a woman as she as she appeared. So at that point, there was sort of lack of service, like the, the like provision of service was not given in that moment because decisions were being tried to like that moment of making decisions. How do we treat this person? This person has fainted. They are alone, and how do we? Like, how do we safely, you know, but then also brings in the issues of being discriminated on that on that basis because someone is looking at you and saying this this person is not, you know, is not cannot be registered within the system as they are. So, yeah, those are some of the experiences maybe I can, I can share in regard to transgender people. By the way, didn't that story end really badly? That, that is not a lady that ended up um, 
the brain thing because they took long to give to, to give her treatment uh, i don't think because they actually she, she, she stays in hospital for a while but she's not fine she was okay. discharged and yeah she because of the drugs she had some sort of but she she got over it i think but you know that gets me to thinking how uh, for various reasons, actually, health practitioners refuse to touch. I've seen people go to hospital and they say they won't touch them unless you deposit money. I, so unless I you have that, insurance, well, usually it is, is insurance. You can't prove it. You see, yes. it, is, it will happen to you as a queer person when you're a queer yes, person. Yes, it's it just basically a Ugandan problem where. You have, and you have, you have, you have, exactly. And we saw it during COVID, yeah, where those with money, you will get the best services and the quicker services. And I think it's, and that's where, where this conversation actually does align. Like we as Ugandan as anyone else <laughs> in terms of receiving services, yeah. how we receive them, it depends on your capacity to, your, like your financial your financial muscle really, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, when you're saying that it came to me, I said there are so many people, like there's so many reasons why there are so many reasons why people are denied healthcare in Uganda and it's it's so it's half of them are ridiculous and 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 so it goes to say that whether or not at least one thing that we the, the thing we're saying about similarities and differences we are similar in the sense that we just have more ways to be discriminated against <laughs> we just have more ways to be but but everybody in Uganda don't push yourself. Discrimination yeah. will reach you. It's Actually, it's particular discrimination in regard to access. Yes, yeah. You know. Actually, most hospitals or most health facilities, I don't know who came up with this, but there are days when the doctor is around. Like <laughs> on Wednesdays, yes. on if, even government facilities. If you ask like, me, I would say that queer, like as queer people, will receive maybe better services most times than. Yes, because we have our own general public because mm. we have specific health facilities that you know quicken these services for us. Mm. And then the fact that we know we also important to know that these services are free. It makes us easy to access some of these services in this particular so it comes again with the process of privilege. Like the queerness comes with the privilege of you have access to this information, then you also have access to you not access, you have the ability to exert you know your rights in the sense that makes you it makes your access to services even even much easier than you know very many other Ugandans who don't have access to this knowledge. Yeah, I disagree with you though, because even with um, even within the privilege, there's so you see you know these things because you do the work. That's what's but it's it's your job. You you know, but I don't think somebody did you know that that, that somebody deep in my village, for example, me I'm from Mukonje, yeah. I don't think there's anybody. There. I don't think they know, do they? The service. They may. Okay, a queer person in Rukunjiri may not know the service, but if a queer person in Rukunjiri got attacked and got in touch with you, you would quicken their access to services in that sense. If any other normal Ugandan got the same problem, they may take longer to access those services at the casualty. Let's say someone was someone has been beaten, yeah. By the time they reach the casualty ward and get access to those services in our regular health service system. Mm. And in comparison to when, because you as Samantha know this information and a queer person has contacted you as a crisis responder, whatever capacity, you're able to connect or refer them to the queer, to the nearest health service provision that is that is KP friendly. Yeah? Mm. So that makes it like that, that referral in itself comes with, like comes with a privilege. Mm. 
comes with an upper hand in, uh, upper than so, so many other common Ugandan in that particular in that same incident if you got a queer person in that incident are uh, another Ugandan who has the same problem in that same context um for me for me there is something weird um oh you, you know i mentioned that in uganda there are days when the doctor is available and the days when the doctor is not available <laughs> and if you happen to fall sick on tuesday and biguma pack up friday or back thursday when the doctor is around but then also there is this weird practice in hospitals where if your case is not as serious they send you to the interns then they play on you and give you those weird misdiagnoses yeah they first like you go uh, i mean you have a headache and then they put all their little knowledge that they have just learned in their first year oh you, it must be a migraine it must is it a headache no is it an aneurysm <laughs> let's do a scan <laughs> yeah it's a it's a it's it's an interesting thing about being ugandan and like being in the health i mean if you are well to do and you can afford a private facility then you do not have to deal with uh student yeah student medical interns yeah pushing you around and also these these are the same people who will um the, the advantage with medical interns is they they overly they overly care about you because i mean they are still passionate about their job unlike the um senior <laughs> the senior doctors abakowa those are even the ones who come on wednesdays only they <laughs> for <laughs> yeah yeah um but um uh, th- th- that's the advantage of the student people but then still you do not really feel like you get the real service and i think it's also a bias of like ono mwana mtochi changamba i know I know what's going on. I know that I'm dying of malaria or I'm dying of some weird disease. And this one is telling me my brain aneurysm. Smanya smart a migraine. The stereotypes say that we have of where if we see if we see younger people we don't think they're actually doctors that's yeah. the reality like mm-hmm. way back if my mother would take me to the hospital if it's a young person should say i'm not leaving until i'm not sitting with this person until they get me a person who actually mm-hmm. the description of gray hair or something should actually describe the person mm-hmm. so there's a, a lot of stereotyping in regards to also how we accept our medical you know persons mm-hmm. in regards to also that disadvantage but i wanted to actually this was itching minute to go back to sean to i um why are you coming from is correct but as per my personal view it's as to a small extent of course. yeah it's of a small course. extent because i swear to god you put it to a large extent me and you're going to go in the tassel and something but still i'm also referencing back to samantha and uh, what she said yes we are in this field we have the luxury and the privilege to work with people to serve people to actually know this knowledge to extend to work with even remote areas but But the reality is <laughs> let me give an example Kampala hmm? there are places with nice roads they're focused on them they built those roads they've you understand and there are places where by yeah, dust yeah. so you understand <laughs> so the same thing is it's 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 like us with that privilege you've been able to touch hearts and places and also we've been able to be touched but then the fact is we are still mildly 
influenced and still taking the journey starting from the poor side of the path yes amen thank you uh, we are still pushing through with our own flaws but people deep down still lack that luxury so I was coming from a state that I wanted whoever is listening to keep in mind that it may be to a small extent that we've had this privilege and yes we can be able to network and take through all that we've been able to do courtesy of the activists HRDs and providers but there's a large portion of us that is still ignorant and unaware about these services so we're still actually on the low loss not on the Lolo, we're still struggling with the health system and actually other social services. What I was going to say is that one, yes, the, what you said, the person has to know us, Amanda. So those that don't. But also, I remember. I privilege. <laughs> I remembered something. So when I was young, um, the, my uncle was an ambulance guy in Mulago Hospital. And every time I went to hospital, I would call him and. <laughs> And just like, so it helps to know somebody, I guess, anywhere. I, I never, people would, I would hear people say, Mulago is bad, Mulago is, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, you've never experienced the badness of Mulago. I'm here, you know, I'm humping my chest, I'm saying, National Referral? How? Oh. <laughs> so it, it helps to know someone somewhere. Again, it's a Ugandan thing. Yeah. You know, you have to know someone to get things done. Yes. In a quicker and more efficient way sometimes. Everywhere. Yeah. I, I don't know anybody, I don't think there's anybody in Uganda who can, you people, but we need connections to get national IDs. National IDs. <laughs> Uganda. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think uh, we our time has been spent well. Um, I'm going to start with the parting shots. <laughs> yeah. um, my parting shot is um, I think healthcare is shitty to some people. To, to the privileged, sorry, to the non-privileged, and to the privileged, it's somehow less shitty, but still shitty, and it is as it is bad for all Ugandans, whether you're queer or you're not, and we just have to figure out a way to live with the misconceptions, to live with the incompetence. Banang, <laughs> personally, yeah, I feel like um, there is a lot of incompetence and. We have learned as Ugandans to put up with the competence. When you mentioned the roads, I feel like, yeah, we've learned to move out, move on with the incompetence and sort of survive with the incompetence. Yeah, so that's my parting shot. I think my parting shot is this dust, this whole weird healthcare thing, we face it the same way. Although as it's more like more tweaked in a discriminatory and uh, stigmatized way, but um, on the baseline, there is there's still those those bad things that just happen in our facilities. Oh, um, healthcare is shitty. Yes, you said it like four times. Healthcare is shitty. For me, my parting shots are as queer people. Yes, there's health, like the word health access to healthcare sounds so nice, but what are we actually accessing? HIV services is not just it's not the healthcare that we all that we only need, yeah. So if we could, when you were talking about healthcare, I would honestly say we don't have access to healthcare as queer people in this country. We just have access to HIV services, and in some cases, it translates into malaria treatment. It translates into skin care treatment, but Treat, yeah. treatment for headache. No, at 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 Mapi Mulago Skin STI Clinic. That is a skin clinic. It is a national skin clinic. Oh, okay. So you so beyond 
beyond HIV, TB, and STIs, what, uh, how does access, I, I wish to invite us as queer people to think about what does access to healthcare actually look like for us? And also for our service providers and those people that work with us, implementing partners and whatever they choose to call themselves. Can we program better for our communities beyond? And, and also that, that also brings in the, the question of how, you know, our community is, is, is included around disease. You know, we are a disease community. Like we are not included around our humanness or our need for access to healthcare, but because we're, we're a population that is potentially has HIV or is going to spread HIV, that's why the interventions are there. We need real healthcare that is intentional, that is targeted, and that is tailor-made for, because as a trans person, I have different needs from a lesbian woman, from a gay man, from a bisexual person, and I think that is now the conversation that we need to have at that, at that extent from here beyond. My parting shot <laughs> is um, from, I, like I said in the beginning or the purpose of this, is to just highlight how we're all just going through the same thing. We're all going through it. There is, um, I would love for the people that listen to this to know that we could just work together and demand better from our leaders as a country, regardless of sexuality or gender. If, according to Banner's poem, Healthcare is Shitty, um, <laughs> if, if we all admit, come together and say it's shitty and everybody is, because we, we have, um, and we have a lot we can pick from the queer movement is that we have actually fought for our health. Although we've so far achieved um, sexuality, um, SRHR, but we, we can learn as a country that it's possible to demand for some of these things. It's possible to say that uh, this doctor who only works on Monday, get us somebody. Yes, get other people for other days. Like what, have, what, what, what I just want everybody to know is that the fact that we all going through the same thing as Ugandan, I feel like, and and stop stop giving into these distractions because how does um, a person living their life or loving who they want to love how is it how is you hating on them uh, solving your healthcare problems because we are going through the same healthcare problem and so refuse to be distracted by 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 I'm sorry to say this but rubbish and actually look at the the real issues speaking of Banners, very passionate doctors. I think the ones, and the ones who are on strike, are the ones who are not working. The interns. Yes, the interns are on strike at the moment, and yes, they are the ones who give you the most time. <laughs> for, for, for passionate people, why are they not? <laughs> they are the ones that give you the most time, and also, like, I feel like now, now that they are on strike, it's even harder to get. Yeah, because now the ones that are left are the ones of Wednesday only. <laughs> I, I didn't have a parting shot. Uh, you've said it all, but in regards to what's going on right now, everyone is facing things differently. And uh, we can't say we relate because how we digest everything is unique. And um, all I can say is that there's help. There's help, and that is why there's presence of such podcasts and several more that you know are ongoing so if you can reach out to any queer organizing or any allies or feminist organizings that can actually be able to help you out please be able to embrace that without hesitation 
because that is in the way where we can have the privilege towards each other of having that connect over I know so and so they can show me which health organization can help me out because they know we're different and we are having a lot of traumatic situations that are actually holding us back from accessing that which is rightfully ours so I wish and pray that you can be able to access those services I also want to invite us as queer people but also as Ugandans to be involved in the politics of the day like when you're talking about you know doctors striking what is causing to doctors striking are we involved in things like you know health financing do we follow these conversations do we follow budgeting like can we get involved to actually maybe see how we can influence these things for ourselves because if the system won't support us to you know to be involved in that certain way I think we have to impose ourselves at the end of the day Thank you so much for listening to us and can't wait to have you on the next episode. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. Catch us next time. And to follow this podcast journey at Kuchi Times Radio, phone on our website at www.kuchitimes.com and all our social media platforms. <laughs>